Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Script to Screen, episode 4 of Script to Screen. Yeah, it's been a little bit since I've done one of these and I feel like I just wanted to go ahead and get this one out of the way. I've been kind of holding it off for a while and that is the Script to Screen comparison for the 2008-2009 film The Wrestler, directed by Darren Aronofsky, starring Mickey Vork, Marissa Tomei, and Evan Rachel Wood, um, which of course, I'm just going to go ahead and read the plot synopsis on the back of my little blu-ray that i have right here in my hands uh, and if you've never seen the wrestler just basically it's a wrestling movie um <laughs> yeah mickey Rourke gives the performance of a lifetime as pro wrestler randy the ram robinson a former superstar now paying the price for 20 years of grueling punishment in and out of the ring but He's about to risk everything to prove he has one more match left in him. A restaging of his famous Madison Square Garden bout against the Ayatollah, who is played by pro wrestler Ernest the Cat Miller. And um, yeah, before I get into my notes, comparing, comparing rather what the film and the script are, um, I just want to preface it by saying that I think it is an absolutely amazing film, one of my favorite films of all time, if I'm being honest. Um, definitely the best wrestling film I've ever seen, although Fighting With My Family gives it a good run for its money, which I will eventually cover that on here in some form. Um, well, I mean, I already gave my review for that one in 2019 when it came out, so I guess I'll just do another script to screen for that one somewhere down the line. Um, and that, that one should definitely be a fun comparison as well. But yeah, The Wrestler is an amazing film. And uh, I even have it in my little notes at the end of, of my little notes. But I'm just going to say it right now. I think Mickey Rourke was robbed at the Academy Awards. Um, as much as Sean Penn gave a great performance as Harvey Milk, Mickey Rourke as Randy the Ram Robinson deserved it much, much, much more. But that's just my opinion, as well as the opinion of many, many others who have seen the film and loved it as much as I do. But yes, let me get to my notes. This is the most notes I've taken for any film that I've covered so far, and I'm sure I'm going to have other films down the line that will have even more notes in this one. Uh, right off the bat, uh, in the script, the opening song is Rock Rock Till You Drop by Def Leppard, which of course in the film is actually Bang Your Head by Quiet Riot, the 2006 remade version by Quiet Riot, which is also his entrance music in the film, uh, which, I mean, nothing against Def Leppard, but Bang Your Head is a much more badass song, in my opinion. My opinion, this is all my opinion. And then we got an um, opening credits montage. It's described as old wrestling magazine photos mixed with action shots of Randy the Ram Robinson versus the Ayatollah at Madison Square Garden, which that would have been kind of cool to see, because uh, in the actual film, we get some commentary, you know, bits here all over commentary clips along the different montage of photos and magazine covers and posters and flyers but you know would have been cool to see like actual like match fight clips in this one and specifically because again because that's the big the big fight that's you know that's you know the the i guess the catalyst for where things go at the end of the film the big rematch with ayatollah ram versus ayatollah too. um and then uh, in the script says uh, when we cut to the 20 years later portion uh, in the script in the locker room, Randy is described as sitting there in just a jockstrap and swigging down a pills with a beer. And in the film, he's still wearing his full 
ring gear and not taking any pills. Um, he doesn't take the pills until he's in his van later on and afterwards when he leaves the, the fight. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, the booker for the show is described as a heavyset man wearing a Mets jersey, although in the film, he's wearing actually a hockey jersey, and I believe it's for the New Jersey Devils. Um, I could be wrong. I mean, I watched it again a couple weeks ago when I was writing my house, much more than a couple weeks ago. It's a little over a month at this point, I believe. Um, but yeah, I believe it was a New Jersey Devils jersey he was wearing. And then also, the uh, in the script, they describe the action figure that's sitting on the dashboard of Randy's van from his WWF days. Yes, it specifically says WWF days, which that's what, you know, really caught my eye, that they specifically call it his WWF days, which actually made me wonder if uh, Aronofsky at any point had contacted WWE to partner up with him on this film i mean i know like in the beginning when the after the film came out wwe was kind of shitting on it on their shows but then as it got oscar buzz they kind of jumped on the bandwagon but it does make me wonder if darren aronofsky or anyone from the production team reached out to wwe to have some kind of partnership on this film which would have been interesting and kind of cool if they did but obviously they did not go that route instead they partnered with a lot of the smaller uh independent wrestling promotions like ring of honor body slam wrestling i think is what it is or one of them and um the wxw uh which is the wild samoans uh wrestling promotion and uh czw as well and then the song that's uh, playing in the script when he's uh in his van on his way out after the event it's a uh, fire and ice by cinderella uh but in the film it's don't know what you got till it's gone that's one plays in the film instead and then the scene of him playing with the neighbor's kids the next day after he gets locked out of his trailer uh, the way they describe it, it's that he body slams and suplexes and tombstone power drivers uh, some of the kids. Which, of course, in the actual film, it's, you know, you know, you know a little chop, pew, 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 and then choke slam. Uh, you know, of course, just roughhousing with the kids, as you do. Um, and then uh, in the script, when he's talking to the manager of the trailer park, uh, Ram uh, asks if he can at least park his his car or van um uh, in the back and then the manager says 20 bucks but in the film he doesn't say that instead he goes you know at least can can i at least get my ice pack you know because i threw my back out and again of course that's the way it plays in the film the script is different which is why that's why i do these comparisons because a lot of what is in the script does not is not what's in the film especially because what makes it more interesting because the scripts that i've been using so far um in which i'm planning on using down the road as well going forward it's the production script which is the script that they use while they're filming the film but of course you know there's a lot of things that they change you know they improvise they ad-lib they do rewrites in the middle of, of filming but this is the film or this is the script rather that they had lock and key when they started shooting on whatever the first day of production film production was and then um we get a scene that's not in the film at all it's a uh, the scene of randy with a He's making a protein protein shank with a blender uh, using an extension cord that's connected to another trailer. And he thinks a woman named Meg, um, which of course we do not see her. And then uh, the supermarket that Randy works for in the script uh, is uh, ShopRite. And of course in the film it's actually Acme, uh, which I'm wondering if, you know, they just couldn't get like the old legal authorization to use ShopRite for the film. And then in the script when Randy... Uh, when he go, goes to get more, ask for more hours in the script, he walks in on his boss watching porn, uh, which that's what happens later on in the film. After Randy has uh, retired and has to, you know, it's trying to get more hours to help me you know, make ends meet. That that this that part happens later in the film, but in the script that happens here. 
Uh, but then the rest of the dialogue happens, you know, the same way after that. And then uh, next in the script, we get uh, the scene of him and the drug guy that, you know, they gives him, you know, the, the, the GH and all that other stuff. That this is that happens later on as he's preparing to have his match with Necro Butcher. But in the script, that happens right here before the first actual match that we see him in in the film. Uh, more of him uh, driving and listening to 80s rock with uh, the Great Whites once bitten, twice shy, and ACDC is back in black. Then up, up next, up next is the in the locker room with the the Booker going over the match card for the show, and in the script, uh, he's not finding um uh, was it Tommy Rotten? In the film, he's fighting Tommy Rotten. In the script, it's a uh, Kid Loco, which I that does sound like an actual wrestler, but I could be wrong, because um, of course they do use real professional wrestlers in this film, several of them actually. Um, uh, there's a. Rob Echoes, who is uh, Robert Stone on NXT, and uh, we get our truth that was in the film as well. He pops up later on, um, and uh, of course, yeah, Ernest the Cat Miller plays the Ayatollah. We get a, a clip, a quick appearance from Nigel McGuinness later on in the actual film, uh, and there's Bobby Dempsey, uh, of course, Necro Butcher, as I mentioned, Blue Meanie is uh, backstage at that show, uh, and several others, um, Kevin Matthews, and a bunch of other people. Um, but anyways, uh, and then we get the introduction of Randy's daughter, Stephanie, uh, in the script. She's at the show um, wanting to make amends with her father as part of her AA recovery. And uh, she's apologizing for things that she said to him, and he's very dismissive about it, which pisses her off even more. And then two fans interrupt to get a picture with Randy, and he embraces them enthusiastically, which just really pisses Stephanie off even more. Uh, angry and disappointed, she leaves the event, and of course, none of this happens in the film, because we don't get to meet Stephanie until later on, after Randy has his heart attack. Instead, everything that happens here at the show, it's just, he goes over the match with, uh, Tommy, how the couple of spots that they're gonna do there, and then the match that we get, you know, even in the script, it's pretty much the same, uh, as what we get in the film, at least that's how I, you know, remember it after reading the script. And then um, him at the strip club with Cassidy. It's basically the same thing, um, except that the, the club is called Cheetahs in the script, not Cheeks like it is in the film. And, uh, and then we come to the hardcore match that he has with Necro Butcher in the film, of course, which is, you know, that's the you know big turning point of the story. In which, you know, remembering how the film goes and how the... You know, because he he went through legit you know wrestling training from being trained by the Wild Samoans for to get to properly prepare himself for this film, and a lot of the wrestling moves he did himself, which I love, appreciate, and respect as a lifelong professional wrestling fan. I have a lot of respect for Mickey Rourke for actually going through the work and the effort to to do that, uh, and a lot of the stunts that happened in this match in particular, it makes me wonder, especially like the barbed wire spot. Uh, the because it's stuck in his stomach, and it looks very real. And of course, you know Hollywood magic—they can make anything look real. And it just makes just the way it looks, though, in that scene, makes me wonder if he legit for that quick second was willing to get barbed wire stuck in his abdomen. Uh, which I mean, crazier things have happened in some films. Who knows? Um, I mean, Apocalypse Now, when they're hacking up the bison at the end of the film, that supposedly, supposedly, what I read, that was a real bison they hacked up. Which, if that's the case, that's you know, that would not fly in, in any ever again after that. But, you know, uh, I digress. That's besides the point, and I'm getting off topic. Uh, let's see, where was I? Where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, a hardcore match. And, of course, you yeah, had Necro Butcher. And in the script, he's fighting Hellbilly Cannibal, which is a very indie wrestling name, if I ever heard one. Um, 
and then the match has been more or less the same as it appears in the film, mostly, except uh, Randy has the heart attack during the match, not after the match in the locker room like he does in the film. In the script, he has it during the match, and uh, a lot of the fans are thinking it's just part of the show, and then a lot, but a lot of the wrestlers come out to you know help him and try to resuscitate him, and uh, try to keep him awake and you know make sure that he's all right. And then him uh, waking up in the hospital post-surgery, it's a slightly little different. You know, it's more arguing uh, with the, the doctor to, you know, when he's telling him that he has to retire. He's demanding getting it to get a second opinion. And yeah, that does not happen in the film at all. It's just he, of course, he's resistant to it, but he accepts it. You know, he like essentially goes through the stages of grief, you know, like boom, 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 until the end of that scene. And then uh, Randy returning home to... His trailer is the same in the script as well, except there's a little more um, dialogue between him and, and Lenny, the, the park manager. The part uh, when he's playing the video games with Adam, it's mostly the same, except there's no, no conversation about Call of Duty 4 like in the film. And then after Adam leaves, Randy um, continues to play the game, but then he gets angry and frustrated and throws the controller. And then um, afterward, the scene afterwards, uh, he's uh, he tries when he tries going for a jog in the film, it starts to get a little winded. In the script, he's doing jumping jacks in his trailer, and then he gets winded and you know starts holding his chest, and he realizes, yeah, I can't do this anymore, kind of thing. And then when he goes to see Cassidy at the club to, you know, confide in her, let her know what's going on. The script is more is basically the same. He says he's the heart attack happened the week before, but in the movie, you know, he says it's a couple weeks ago. But in the script, he also mentions that, uh, that the fans at the show bought all the merchandise uh, after he had the heart attack. So... Um, which is he's like it's meant to be like like a half-hearted like joking ma manner like you know like hey I, you know, at least I banked on having a heart attack kind of thing. When Randy goes to see uh, Stephanie, of course, in the f again in the film, this is where we meet Stephanie for the first time, and he confides in her, tells her about the heart attack. But the way it's done in the script, I mean, this the part about him opening about the heart attack is the same. But he offers to give her a ride to school, which she, you know, eventually accepts. But she's very resistant and reluctant towards it. You know, when he's he's slightly written differently, a lot of different dialogue. Um, I mean, I'll have the link to the script in the description of this episode of anyone that wants to actually read it. Um, which I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and that's another one that I have at the end of my notes. That this script is one of the better ones that I've read so far. I mean, all the scripts that I've read on this little series I've so far that I've enjoyed, but this one is probably one of the better ones that I've read, especially because it's a lot a lot more details that are different that I've observed at least. And it's just it makes the experience a lot more fun for me. But anyways, yeah. Then the the next scene with Randy and Cassidy talking about his daughter, like after he he sees Stephanie, uh, it's features different dialogue as well and Randy flat out saying that he's a he's a shitty father father for not knowing anything about his daughter. And um, then Randy goes to, when he goes to ask for more hours, he, he uh, interrupts his boss playing online poker instead of the, you know, interrupting him watching porn, like how it actually is in the film and how it's, you know, in the script, he, we meet him earlier in the film. And more or less the same dialogue, you know, minus a couple words here and there, really. And then uh, when Randy uh, and Cassidy slash Pam, which we've learned, that's when we learn her real name is Pam, when they're at the vintage shop, it's the same except for, you know, a few little lines of dialogue, of course. Um, and the scene in the bar afterwards is also the same except the script. They have uh, Pour Some Sugar On Me by Def Leppard instead of, you know, uh, Round and Round by Trapped, which are not Trapped, Rat, I don't know why I said Trapped. 
I don't know, because I guess the lettering is very similar, very close to it. Trapped, trapped is the headstrong band. Uh, yeah, Rat, they are the round and round band. But other than that, the scene, the rest of the scene is pretty much the same. And then there's the, the deli scene. And it's about the same, with the only difference, real difference really, being that the woman is asking for the chicken breast and the guy asking for the egg salad. In the script, uh, the chicken breast woman, let me turn my page because I have a lot of notes here. Yeah, the chicken breast woman is um, not there at all. And the egg salad customer is a housewife, not a man. The rest of the dialogue and scene kind of plays out the same way, except for just those two little details. And then the scene with uh, Randy at the payphone calling the promoters to tell them that he's retiring happens next in the in the film. But in the script, it happens after the scene with him and Stephanie at the boardwalk. Well, which, speaking of that, in the script, it starts off with him outside of her school, not after she gets off the school bus like it is in the film. But, you know, the dialogue is mostly the same, you know, except there's there's no peacoat like we get in the film, which, you know, that was a nice little touching moment. Instead, he just gives her the, the jacket that has the S for Stephanie. And then uh, when they're at the boardwalk, the dialogue is completely different. We don't get the, you know, old broken down piece of meat uh, monologue like we get in the film, which, I mean, that scene, you know, really tugs at the heartstrings. And very much before that, over the what we got in the script, not to say that it was bad, just I preferred that one a lot more you know this but the same the same sentiment is there you know when you read what's in the script and then hear him in the film instead of them dancing in that little abandoned ballroom thing they they're playing skee-ball instead um and again I prefer the dance scene because it's just a, lo- a much more touching and emotionally driven scene and you feel the love it's you know the father and daughter love between the two and also just you know, side note Evan Rachel Wood wonderful actress i've been a fan of her since the movie 13 and especially love her on westworld and just she gives a phenomenal performance in this film i really feel that uh anyway back on track you know and then the scene where randy goes to the club to thank cassidy for helping him with stephanie it's mostly similar dialogue so nothing really too significant there and then the next scene in the script uh we get um scene in the deli where the fan recognizes Randy that happens later in the film except here you know there's no bloody finger at least not yet it's just kind of interesting though like a lot of there's a lot of scenes that are in the film but just how they're sequenced so differently in the script which I mean I get it that happens a lot of films do that you know it's just interesting to see it that way there's a scene that's completely absent from the film where Randy uh, is actually in his trailer listening to some Guns N' Roses and mimicking having a wrestling match in the, in the film, it's after he has the altercation with, with uh, Cassidy, he he goes he drives home, just sits there for a few seconds, and then he drives back off. Uh, and in the script, him having that little thing in the in the trailer, that's what it what happens there instead. And then we get the scene when he uh, he gets the scene where he offers to do a referee job for Brunberg, the promoter from the opening of the film, and who also did the Legends um, signing that we when he finally has that realization, you know, like. I don't want to end up like, you know, like these guys with a walking stick, another one in a wheelchair, another one has a, a urine bag strapped to his leg. Yeah, saying that he wants he won't do anything physical, but then he eventually does when he gets caught up in the in the heat of the match, taking a chair shot to the face and loving it. Cuz he has described that he's, you know, he's smiling afterwards. And then the bar scene afterwards has a lot of different dialogue including a story simply known as Shit Pit. And uh, I suggest reading the script to get the uh, full details and understanding of that one because I'd rather not um, describe it myself because it's uh, yeah. 
But anyways, uh, the rest of the scene plays out mostly the same as the film. You know, with him, you know, fucking the woman in the bathroom after doing a couple lines of coke with her. And, uh, waking up in her bed the next morning. Except, you know, there's no ferret, you know, in the in the cage next to the bed. You know, instead he meets the her housemate or roommate uh, in there. It's just a quick little altercation. Like, oh, she's in the shower or whatever, and then he leaves. And then uh, when he returns home, rather than oversleep like he does in the film, he just, out of nowhere, just, boom, realizes right away that he was supposed to meet with Stephanie, and then he heads out, and the conversation at her house is mostly the same, except, you know, in the script, talks about, you know, her having a, almost having a drink for the first time, you know, and, and so long, uh, 11 months specifically, uh, which again, in this, in this, because in the story, she's, you know, a recovering alcoholic, which we don't get that at all in the film, not to say that that wasn't an element in her character in the, in what we got in the film, it's just it's never outright mentioned, which, that's fine. No problem with that. And even though it's, it is a cliche and a trope, you know, to have the you know, the, the fucked up, you know, father and then the, you know, the estranged daughter. It's, you know, I think even like Aronofsky said it at like a panel thing when they were talking about the film. He's saying, you know, these cliches exist because they are real. You know, for a lot of like the, as, because you know, Randy Rams depicting, depicting a lot of the old time wrestlers from the 80s that kind of just living the, 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 the life in the fast lane kind of thing and just not preparing life you know, for the for themselves in the future, and how they are they are divorced and are estranged, you know, from their children, have drug act, uh, addictions and you know alcohol addictions and all that, and that's yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, then we get the scene in the daily where he does jam his finger into the into the slicer, and then, but in the script, he uh, challenges his boss to a fight after afterwards, or seemingly challenges him to a fight. And then he calls the promoter about doing the match with Ayatollah. Nothing different here, you know, and same with the montage of him getting ready for the match. Um, I, th- I, think, I think the song choice is different. Um, I don't know, I have to reread the script because I don't remember if they, if they even mentioned oh, that there's a song on this particular part. Which has not the other thing also because the script, yeah, they have a lot of specific songs listed, you know, throughout different parts of the film. Which I know James Gunn does that. Like he says he writes the songs that he uses in the films in his scripts, um, and which actually I would love to. Add, if I ever get a chance to meet him or interview him or just do anything with James Gunn, I would love. To, I would love to ask him about that and say like, if there's ever been a song that you wrote in a script that you couldn't get the legal rights to use, you know, because it would just be interesting to ask to ask stuff like that. And hey, who knows? Maybe if this, you know, little little you know, meditates podcast thing that I've been doing for the last four years. Uh, maybe it might actually lead to me getting to meet some of these people. Who knows? Yeah, you know, the interaction with Cassidy and Pam before he leaves for the match, it's the same except, you know, for a few different bits of dialogue here and there. Uh, we got a scene with uh, Randy. He actually calls Stephanie one last time to tell her that she was right about everything she ever said about him and that he loves her. We don't get that at all in the film because, you know, after they have their altercation at the house, uh, when he re- when he you know goes to apologize to her for standing her up, she says, "I don't want to see you. Don't want to hear you. I'm done." In the film, that's that's just it. It's, she's done. You know, we don't see her again. And I feel and I feel it's better that way. It's more powerful that it just leaves it there. And then we also get the scene with uh, Cassidy when she she's actually when she's driving down to the show. You know, after she you know runs off of stage from her job. To go, go confront Randy, try to you know snap him out of doing the the match. Instead, we get a she's on the phone with the her son's babysitter, um, saying that she doesn't know when she's gonna be home. And then she's also you know asking for directions to the venue. And then we also get a scene of Randy taking a quick nap at a rest stop uh, before he gets to the show. 
And then now, uh, some, you know, slightly different dialogue when Randy and Cassidy have their moment right behind the curtain before he goes out for the match. It's mostly the same. Not nothing too dramatically or drastically different. And then uh, Randy's speech is, you know, before the match, it's also written very, very differently. And the details of the match are also mostly different, really. You know, with the most significant difference that I caught from the script is that actually Cassidy, Cassidy actually stays for almost the entire match and at one point she even considers like running out there to, to help him and save him but then she resists and you know she runs runs out of the the the, the building you know in tears uh, and then the script ends just like the film does with a ram jam and that's it, it cuts the black we are to assume the whatever because i i don't believe aronofsky ever clarified how the story actually ends at once randy dives off that top rope for the ramp jam and i guess we're to believe that he once he hits it he dies maybe because you know that's you know the big whole belief that you know that if he continues to doing the wrestling thing he's gonna kill himself pretty much um which i guess that's what we're to believe happens to him that's my little rundown of the the production script for The Wrestler. Um, again, I will have the link in the description for this so anyone that would like to read it, just like I did. Uh, and if you would like to read any other film scripts, you can check uh, Script Slug, I believe is the, the name of the website. Let me just look that up. I have it bookmarked, but I want to make sure I, I have the correct information. Yes, Script Slug. That's where I get a lot of the scripts that I've been using for here. Uh, it doesn't have every script, but they have a lot of movie sh- scripts, a lot of TV show scripts as well, where you can read specific episodes of certain shows that you would like to. Pretty fa- pretty fascinating thing to read like uh like i did i also did find a website also that uh was a different website that they had the scripts for the halloween movies and um they have all of them except for the second rob zombie halloween and uh for halloween kills as well those are the only ones that i don't did, couldn't find on there but yeah it's been interesting to read some of the differences and so far nothing too significant that i found but Maybe I'll cover those down the line. Hey, I mean, we are in spooky season now, so maybe sometime in October I can get a couple of those Halloween scripts out there for another script-to-screen comparison. But yeah, in the meantime, thank you all so much for watching, for listening, for subscribing. And if you're not subscribed, please do so. YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, uh, Anchor, Podbean, all the direct links will be down there on the link tree that's in the description of this episode as well as the link to my monetized podcast store if anyone would like to purchase some merchandise there and help me earn a little extra cash on the side um and uh anyone would like to check out the previous stuff that i've done here my previous script to screen uh, comparisons for batman 1989 for batman begins for the adams family 1991 film my uh, previous uh, film reviews, my retro film reviews, my video game reviews, um, which again, thank you all so much to everyone who's checked out the video for the Miles Morales Spider-Man video game review, as uh, still sitting at as the second most viewed video on my YouTube channel. Thank you all so much. It is the, also the most liked video on my channel. Appreciate that very, very much. I generally do. Thank you. And uh, again, thank you all so much tuning in i hope you all are doing well staying safe staying healthy taking care of yourselves and your loved ones i truly and genuinely love and appreciate every single one of you who help keep me going with this thing because uh it's been a crazy crazy couple of years for me personally professionally and 
Um, the support that you all give me, I truly, genuinely appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, yeah, this has been Script to Screen from the Menatized Podcast. I am Julian, and I will see all of you on the next one. These things that have comforted me, I drive away. This place that is my home, I cannot stay. My only faith's in the broken bones and bruises I display.